Hey guys, welcome back. Let's start talking about your psychology, what you may be going through, how to make the decisions that you want to make, how to stop making the decisions you want to stop making. That is the root of psychological health, and that is what we discuss here on this show. You need discipline, you need your willpower. Of course you do, but where do these things come from? Where does discipline, where does willpower come from? Does it come from waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning, going on a five-hour run? No, that is discipline. That is willpower if that is indeed what you want to do with your life. That's not where it comes from. It comes from an emotional issue. I'm sorry i got to bring up emotions, but we don't have actions. We don't make decisions without emotions. So if we want to figure out our decisions, we want to figure out why we're not making the decisions, why we're not taking the kind of actions consistently that we want to make, we got to look at our emotional issues. And that's what we can work on here. Now, how can we talk about our emotional issues? Can we do it directly? Yes, we can specifically talk about your emotional issues directly. What we can also do is talk about news, cultural events, because what this ultimately is is a reflection of who we are, what we're going through. That's what we do here, right? We, We do read the news not to see what's going on out there, but to see what's going on in our psyche, because everything out there is really just a manifestation of anything cultural is a manifestation of the individual human in that culture. Any cultural event is similar, right? We, we look at cultural events, not to see what this cultural event is about, but to see what we are about. Similarly, we watch movies to bring us to the topic this week. We watch movies, not to see what the movie is about, but to see what we are about, what we are going through, especially movies that um, hit some kind of cultural nerve, strike a chord, even if they're 20 years old, like American Psycho. That's what we're going to talk about this week. I think there are pretty important uh, psychological points here that really indicate where we are as a culture, and it may indicate issues we each of us individually have in our own psychology. That not, not only was this movie made like this, but that it was popular, and people think it made some kind of relevant point, which I do think it makes a relevant point, not in the way that it intends. So let's get to it. Uh, you know, I really think it's 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 helpful and it's informative, perhaps a little blowhardy, to look at something going on in culture and relate it to something else that's going on that seems completely different, completely unrelatable. But it, I think it's just it helps our our epistemologists go. No, actually, they they in fact may be related in some way, even if they're not actually related. It just helps to see how there's similarities. It helps us make connections. Uh, so, you know, one of my favorite things to rag on is slim untuck shirts. So I go to J. Crew, I get these slim untuck shirts, large slim untuck. And, uh, you know, it's just hilarious. Like an untuck shirt, you're selling an untuck shirt. Oh, oh, really? And J. Crew is not the only one. There's actually a, a store called Untuck It. They sell shirts that you can untuck. Oh, really? You figure it out? how to make a shirt that you could untuck. You could t- untuck any shirt before. No, really what you're doing is you're making a shirt for that's shorter. You're, you're making a shirt for shorter guys. You're making a shirt for guys who are, are shorter than six feet. huh? You're making a shirt for these guys and you don't wanna hurt their feelings by, by saying that it's short, so you call it untucked. That's what you're doing. I'm trying to protect guys' feelings. I mean, this is what we've been doing with women for a long time. Now we're doing it with guys now. It was previously just short. This is what short guys wear. Now we are calling it untucked. I mean, of course, we call it slim. I get the, yeah, like I said, I get the large slim. And I'm not slim. I have a 33-inch waist. 
which is, I think, average. Probably back in 1965, whatever, that that was probably average, maybe even a little bit stocky. No, that doesn't mean I wear a 33-inch pant that actually measure my waist. I recommend you do the same weigh yourself at least once a week. I read an article about that a long time ago. Measure and weigh yourself like the farm animal, like the livestock that you are. Make no mistake. Now, hopefully you can be more than livestock, but on some level, you are livestock, especially if you're single. Uh, so a guy who has a 33-inch waist average, a guy who is shorter than six foot needs to get a large, untucked, slim shirt. This is a joke. This is, in a sense, euphemisms coddling guys' feelings. So, of course, in a culture where we have slim, untucked shirts, we would get something like MGTOW or men's rights. And it's not that it's wrong that we have these, but you get MGTOW and men's rights guys. And not only do they think that there's all these like social inequities, you know, they're doing the Marxist feminist thing. But the, yeah, that is. They're doing the Marxist feminist thing and they think they're different. They think they're fundamentally different than what the feminists do because they think their their interpretation of the iniquity is different, not looking at, look, there's just fundamental biological differences between men and women, and they're going to be treated differently and achieve certain amounts of success in different aspects of society because we are biologically different. You know, just as I always say, women are biologically more valuable than men. It doesn't mean they're better morally, intellectually in any way but they are biologically more valuable. And until we become a different species, they hopefully society will treat them different. Hopefully they will have certain advantages that we don't have. Otherwise we don't have a society anymore. It, 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 society has crumbled if we are treating men and women in the exact same way. And we get the same uh, output for the same input. Then it's no longer society, it, it's, uh, I don't know, it's worse than anarchy. So that is, so it makes sense, right? We would have these belief systems that in a sense coddle men in a society where we sell them slim untucked shirts. Similarly, I think I could say the same thing about American Psycho. I, I think the connection I want to make here is we will have poverty. Now this may seem a little abstract at first, but we're going to talk about it. Now we have poverty in the third world. Be, not, only, not only because we've, we make movies like American Psycho, but because people have the interpretation of it that they do. And the way that we are portraying a certain segment of the population in this movie, this is the exact reason why we have poverty in the third world. Now, ultimately, I don't care about the third world. I, I mean, I, I care about the third world to the extent that I care about humanity at large, but I don't think that we need to go to the third world and, and help them in any way. I think that is dehumanizing. It is condescending. Go read Pedagogy of the Oppressed if you disagree. America was the third world 150, 200 years ago. What happened? Did somebody come and help us? No. Uh, we, we set up society in a certain way. We set up infrastructure in a certain way. We actually got a financial uh, institution, a financial infrastructure. Well, yeah, financial infrastructure that helps us allocate our infrastructure so we can build a society. So on to the topic of financial infrastructure. American Psycho is about this Wall Street guy, nondescript vice president, Wall Street guy. And I, you know, that's part of the point of the movie is he really has no identity of his own. 
and there will be spoilers. Of course, not that you can really spoil a movie that's good in any way, especially a movie that's 20 years old. So there will be spoilers, but if you haven't seen the movie, yeah, still listen to me and, and go watch it. It's it's not going to matter ultimately. Um, hmm. So Patrick Bateman, Wall Street guy, and he's has. And when we meet him in the movie, when he's introduced, he is already killing people. We don't know it yet, but he's already killing people. He's already a serial killer. And it seems like up until the point where, where we meet him in the movie, he's been able to keep these two uh, separate parts of his life, uh, you know, separate, discreet. He has the, the work. A Wall Street um, guy makes a lot of money, successful, uh, has a fiance, has friends. And then he has the serial killer part of him. But as we meet him, we see that the serial killer part of him has seemed to be taking over his his conscious life. His unconscious life is, in a sense, taking over his conscious life. His uh, Mr. Hyde is taking over his Dr. Jekyll. Um, and he he begins to kill more and more. He, he kills uh, his his uh, not his buddy, but a partner, somebody who works at a similar firm that he does. Uh, he kills women, he kills prostitutes, and then you get to the end of the movie. Well, we won't talk about it yet, but we'll, we'll leave it there. That's the plot. And then there is some revelation at the end of the movie of what may really be going on. I think I'll talk about that towards the end. So what stands out to me about this movie? I mean, what's this movie trying to say? I think this movie is trying to say that in order to be the kind of uh, successful guy, successful, yeah, it takes place in the late 1980s, the successful, you know, uh, pinnacle of the yuppie era, late 80s kind of guy. In order to be this, you need to have a killer instinct. Now, this killer instinct is, you can keep it separate for a while, but eventually it takes control of you and you can't manage it. And another thing to be a part of this world is you can't have your own identity. You have to be a nondescript person, and this is indicated in a lot of different ways in the movie. People get people's names wrong all the time, which will lead to my interpretation of the ending. I don't know if I'm right, but I don't think the ending, you know, the interpretation of the ending really matters. We will get to it. But, you know, uh, everybody's a vice president. Everybody has the same haircut, wears the same suits, does the same things. All their girlfriends kind of look the same. They all kind of look the same. Um, they have similar views. They don't really have views of their own. Uh, and this is like, in a sense, what you need to do to fit into this world is, in a sense, sacrifice yourself. This world that is ultimately, uh, you know, d doesn't do anything. It just makes these people rich at the expense of the poor. I think it, it, it's a definite indication that the people who Patrick Bateman kills are poor people. He kills a homeless guy. He kills a, a prostitute, several prostitutes. Clearly this one prostitute is um, lower class. Now the thing about this is how is Patrick Bateman portrayed? Is he portrayed as any kind, I mean he's a successful guy, but he, he doesn't do any work throughout the movie. I mean you have to imagine, you have to wonder, right? David Hatcher and Childress, you have to wonder what this does that, that we could accept this kind of movie, that we could accept a guy who reached this station in life, even though he is essentially psychotic, you could argue. Not only is he psychotic, but he doesn't do any work throughout the entire movie, yet he still has this cush chop. 
Like, you don't have to perform in those jobs. I mean, have you ever met a Wall Street guy ever? A number cruncher, Wall Street guy, investment banker, let's figure out what companies are going to do well. Have you ever met these guys ever? And, it, you know, it, and of course I bring this up because of the whole uh, GameStop controversy that happened a few months ago where people thought that they could actually trick the market by uh, just buying up a bunch of GameStop, GameStop stock. Um, it really indicates this surface level silly view of of markets and how they work oh yeah like what 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 drives the, the price of a stock is just how many people buy it so we'll just get a lot of our buddies on reddit to buy the stock and it'll drive it up and we'll get rich and we're basically doing the same thing as what these investment bakers do because ultimately what they do it, it doesn't do anything and did i mention this I forgot if I mentioned this. It's in my notes. But, okay, so the reason why... Okay, I'm a little bit all over the place, but this will make sense. So the reason why I'm saying that the reason why American Psycho exists and we have the interpretation that it does, that this causes poverty in the third world, right? I was going to say, I don't really care about the third world. It is uh, dehumanizing for us to think that we can go in and help them. But th th this is what Patrick Bateman brings up in the movie. His buddy talks about equity and social justice, and he feels like he needs to come over the top in this dinner conversation and say, well, I actually care more, and we really need to help out poor people and, and make women equal and all this stuff. You know, he's not, he doesn't really believe it. He's just saying it. But they're making fun of guys like Patrick Bateman because they would say something like that. They would go to a charity function but not really believe it. But actually what this movie does is it, it, it completely undercuts the kind of system, the kind of infrastructure we would need to put in place in, in order for there to really be prosperity in what we would now call the third world. So this movie is a huge denigration of the financial system, and I wouldn't make such a big deal about it, but there's a denigration of the financial system, of course, on the left. That's been going on for a while, but now on the right, as indicated by what happened with GameStop a couple months ago, thinking that you could just like, like somehow take over Wall Street just by getting a bunch of your buddies to uh, buy the same stock like that's the only thing that indicates the value of a company is just how many people buy it. just the surface level view because we grew up watching movies in part like American Psycho which shows this uh, guy in this profession I mean yeah these these finance guys I mean they're nerds and not even like a, a fun kind of nerd I mean have you ever met these people they are crunching numbers all day and I know a few of you I love you I respect you but you guys are nerds Wall Street guys are way nerdier than they're portrayed in movies. I think, or not consequently, but conversely, Silicon Valley guys are way less nerdy than they're portrayed. Uh, these guys are nerds who look at numbers all day, who do a lot of work. There is no way. This Patrick Bateman guy, I know he went to Harvard. He has a Harvard MBA, and that, that's part of this, this projection is what we're ultimately going to get to. This is part of this projection of the upper class. Is It's just this thing that you are bred into. You get this degree, and it's, it's, it's a cush job, and you can just sit in your office doing crosswords for the rest of your life. Like You don't have to perform every freaking quarter. Like You don't have to show how you're performing every quarter to stay in those jobs. Yeah, because nobody else is, is competing for those positions. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, so it's no wonder we have a sophomore view of a, of a financial system. I mean, what's the one thing that Africa would need, for instance, to be prosperous? Or what, what does the left say? I mean, what does the left uh, famously say? 
why do we have the third world? Oh, because of logistics. Oh, it's just logistics. Of course, they, they throw out that word, meaning that's not a real reason for people to be dying of hunger. But what is logistics? Logistics is allocating resources in the country in a healthy way. That is why we can give Zimbabwe all the money in the world and it wouldn't matter because they can't allocate resources. Now, what system allocates resources? It's the financial system. It gauges and predicts what a, a, an economy needs to to disperse the uh, most amount of goods and services in the best way possible. Not in any kind of socialist handout way, but it, through a free market trader principle kind of way. You need an infrastructure to do that. You need investments. You need money lending, right? You need to put money in places that are going to be big, that a, that a culture or a society is going to need. And you need number crunchers like Patrick Bateman to sit around and do that. Something that you don't understand because you're stupid. Because you're stupid and you have a silly view of this system that is ultimately you know, gravely serious to a society. So why can't the third world have nice things? Because we don't understand what logistics is. We, we throw that word out like, oh, well, it's just a logistical problem. You can't figure out a logistical problem. No, we can. But we've been, you know, uh, decrying these kinds of people in our society for such a long time. It's, it's like it's infected the right now, the, the people who supposedly should be standing up for financial freedom and all that entails. And I just think it's uh, absolutely silly the way that Patrick Bateman is portrayed as a person. Yeah, I mean, he's a serial killer, right? But, uh, you know, what's he doing? I think it's very um, indicative in, in the beginning of the movie as he's talking about the fact that he is in fact uh, psychotic. Uh, he doesn't have an identity. He doesn't have real human emotions. He doesn't have empathy. The only emotions that he does have are, are greed and disgust. What is he going about as he's doing this voiceover? He is going about his self-care hygienic routine. You know, he's putting on his face scrub. He's going through his exercise routine. In a sense saying only a psycho only a psycho who doesn't care about humans, who doesn't have real emotions aside from greed and, and uh, disgust, only a psycho would care this much about themselves. Of course, any one of our self-care routines would look like an American psycho, Patrick Bateman kind of routine of somebody in America even 100 years ago. Oh, you showered more than once a week? Oh, okay, college boy. What are you, some kind of psycho? Are you some kind of hygiene psycho? It's like, what are we doing? Like, we're denigrating progress. We're denigrating pickiness. We're denigrating the kind of personality you need to be a good finance guy. The kind of people who we need in society to create infrastructure, to, to create the, what the left says, logistics, to... to reasonably disperse goods and services throughout a country. Right? I mean, I, I just cannot believe. And again, I wouldn't even be making this point except they are in a sense saying the reason why Patrick Bateman, or the reason why we can't have prosperity in the third world because of the Patrick Batemans out there who could do something about it because they have all this money who could do something about it, but all they do is go to their fancy restaurants and talk about it to fit in with their, with their friends. 
So through a cartoonish portrayal of a Wall Street guy, and I know this isn't the first cartoonish portrayal, which is just adds to the problem. I mean, we, we've been portraying, you know, go back and watch the movie Wall Street. And th in fact, that movie is, is interesting because Gordon Gecko is supposed to be the bad guy in that movie. But a lot of people's takeaway is, no, that's greed is good. But I think by 2000, this was, like, you know, we had to portray it in this way now. So, um, yeah, so the main point is, right, through the car cartoonish portrayal of Patrick Bateman, of Wall Street Guys, we get a poor criticism. We get a poor criticism of Wall Street, of these captains of industry, I and mean, that's not really what it is, these Wall Street number guys, that doesn't even get to the root of the real issue. It doesn't even get to the root of the real issue. And in fact, I would say this, what, what Bateman is, because he's such a cartoonish character, he is, in a sense, a projection of our own mundaneness. He is a project, he was a projection of what we would think we would be if we were in a Wall Street cush kind of job. What, what we would think is a cush job, but actually these guys work all the time. Right? He is, in a sense, a projection of our own shadow of, of our own collective shadow as a society. First, I would say on the left, but now increasingly more on the right. Re GameStop stock. Um, like his greed. We think that these Wall Street people are fundamentally greedy, but really we're the ones who are greedy because we are the ones who clearly care about money because we care about the fact we love looking down on and up to but down on, I mean, that indicates it's a shadow projection. We love looking down on and slash up to guys who are greedy, right? Because we are saying, in a sense, we care about money because we care about the fact that you have money. So if we were in that position, we would be greedy. This is an, another indication that this is a shadow projection and this is clearly indoctrination because we think that all Wall Street guys are fundamentally the same and there's, there can't be anything particular interesting about any of them. And in fact, in order to be in that field, in order to, to roll, I guess you could say, with those kinds of people is you would ultimately have to sacrifice your own identity, in a sense, sacrificing your connection with reality, as indicated by the end. Did he really commit those murders or did he imagine them? I would like to think that he, well, I would say this, the, the reason why I like to think that he did actually commit the murders in reality is because it would be scarier. It would be scarier. It, it would make it a scarier movie. It's like why I, I like, why I didn't like Rosemary's Baby. I mean, that was going to be the scariest movie of all time until you got to the end. Yeah, you thought it was going to be the scariest movie of all time because it's about this this woman's guilt and about her Catholic upbringing and, and shame around sexuality. And, and this this issue from the past was coming back to infect her, even though nothing of the sort was happening in reality. That's scarier than you get to the end and, and realize, well, I guess you could argue that, but at least my first uh, reading of it or my initial reading of it is you get to the end and re realize that these double worshippers who are trying to take her baby uh, they were real. That immediately made an incredibly scary, you know, frightening, just perniciously terrifying movie. It made it silly. 
in my view. And I think what makes American Psycho, or what would make it scarier, is if he actually did commit the murders and he tries to confess, he tries to tell his lawyer friends, he tries to tell his fiance, but nobody listens because nobody cares. Right? But that's how you're portraying him. That's how you're portraying that supposedly uh, negative uh, pr- profession. But really, since that's not how Wall Street guys are at all, if you had met two of them, you would know they are freaking nerds. That's the last way you, you would portray them. We think it's Bateman who can't integrate his shadow. Right? He has this killer instinct that drives him to go out and become a serial killer. It also makes him successful at his job. But again, right when we, when we meet him, he's struggling to integrate these two, and the, the killer side is taking him over. Ultimately, what this is is a projection of our own inability, of our own inability to integrate our own shadow side, which we project onto Bateman, our own greed, right? Our own lack of identity, our own herd mentality that we don't want to acknowledge in ourselves, so we project onto Bateman. And of course, an, another indication that this is of projection is because we get the compensation for this. This is why I started to watch the movie is because there's guys now on, on the right or the alt-right who are putting up images of Bateman like he's some kind of a person to emulate. Okay, so now we have the compensation for this shadow projection. Guys are in a sense accepting, oh, this is what the left thinks we are? Okay, well, we are going to be that without being critical of what the left's shadow projection is in the first place. Right? It's, it's fascism, anti-fascism all over again. Uh, I think there was probably a good way to make this movie and to make the point about disconnections because I, I think Wall Street guys are going through real psychological turmoil in what they do. But I think in order to portray that in probably a more accurate way and, and not just to make it a more accurate portrayal but to really suss out the psychological nuance of what this movie was trying to uh, say. Because I, I, you know, they're really good points about disconnection, not being able to communicate, and how do I get through to people? I mean, this movie would have been so much better if they just did an honest portrayal of what Wall Street is. That these guys work all the time. That they're, in a sense, in a sense spur cases. All they do is look at numbers all day, and they are freaking out. They are freaking out. And so he does all this stuff. You know, he went to Harvard. He's a smart guy. He got his MBA from Harvard, makes all this money. And even though he does all this, even though he makes all this money and, prof- and provides, in a sense, the infrastructure for a country to prosper, he provides the, quote, logistics. Uh, so we don't end up like, like, like Zimbabwe. Even though he does this, you know, he still can't make connections. And I think this could have been portrayed in lots of good ways. Like those scenes throughout the movie where he's trying to, to to confess to people that he kills people and they're not listening. Like I th- think it's done the, uh, the best when he's with his fiance Evelyn when they're in the restaurant and he's just trying to tell her like, "Look, I kill people. This is thing that comes over me. I can't manage it." And she doesn't seem to care. It's like she doesn't even listen. I think that would have been so much more powerful. That would have been so much more powerful of a scene of a movie if he was disconnected. If he. I don't know, had some kind of innocuous neurosis that he couldn't stop doing and he was trying to talk to Evelyn about and she just wasn't listening. Something about, I don't know, spending too much time online or or procrastination or 
I don't know, he's like afraid of germs, like some kind of OCD thing that he can't manage. That would have been a lot better. Yeah, now that I think about it now, that would have been a lot better. He's just an OCD case. Doesn't have to be a strange serial killer. I think like that just distracts from the main point and it makes this guy cartoonish, which is, again is just an indication that he is a projection of our, of our own collective shadow. Yeah, a, a guy who does all this work has been committed to, to this one thing for such a long time and he's doing it for external validation. I think that's a great point to make. But he does it for external validation and gets to the point where we're not even his his secretary is interested in him. Like maybe he's just doing some harmless flirting with the secretary and she's not even interested in him. That would have been way more powerful of a point. The secretary, okay, she's your secretary, she's under your status wise, but also she's, you know, Chloe Seventy, which, you know, reasonably attractive, I guess, but you're not even she's interested in you. That's painful. That's painful. A guy who's been groomed in this system, you're going to be the best of your best, not even your secretary cares. You try to talk with your fiance, she doesn't even care. Yeah, the confessions where nobody hears you, way more subtle, way more subtle and way more powerful when it's, yeah, I have this obsessive thought. Uh, Maybe it's an obsessive thought like I want to kill myself. I want to hurt myself. Maybe he's cutting himself. I think that would have been good like some kind of self-harm. This guy who on the surface has the self-care routine, yet at the same time he's harming himself, that would have been way more powerful, way more culturally impactful, but that would have had to, uh, that that would mean that we would have to integrate that Wall Street guy role, that Wall Street guy position into our collective shadow, or we would have to integrate integrate that shadow element, so we have to see him as a human being as a human being who actually has real issues that we can relate with. And we don't want to see that, right? Because we want to do the GameStop thing. By making this guy cartoonish. Yeah, so, so the same reason why this movie portrays Bateman as cartoonish is the same reason why uh, we can't relate with him. You know, we, we create this character that's completely unrelatable and we, when we think it's something out there and not something happening in us. So, I mean, to bring it around to our own psychology, I've, I don't know what to say. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, right? Like, manage your issue. Watch American Psycho. Watch these guys or where we criticize or watch these movies where we, we, we criticize Wall Street guys and say, oh, look, he's the problem. Oh, look, he's the greedy one. He's the one who needs to hide who he is to fit in. And he does it for such a long time, he barely even has an identity anymore. No, that's us. That's us. That's what we're going through. What we need to do is what Patrick Patrick Bateman needs to figure out how to do. He's trying to talk to people and they're not listening. Well, how do you talk to people and they don't want to listen? Maybe it doesn't matter whether they listen, I would argue. Maybe only it matters that you make the attempt to talk with them. Guys, watch the projections. Watch the projections. Watch the indications of these projections as they are in this movie. The indoctrination. Uh, the fact that we're seduced by him. Right? These are all indications that he's a, he's a projection. So watch your projections. Otherwise... Right, you're going to end up like Zimbabwe. 
All right, thank you guys. I will leave it there. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Um, if you have any questions for me, I'm still doing a Q&A, animus at animusempire.com. If you want to learn how I could help, how I could help you take back your projections so when you watch this movie, you don't think you're watching Patrick Bateman. You, you actually see how you're watching yourself. We have a way of processing emotional issues. We specifically have a way to talk through emotional issues. Not only do we cover what to talk about, but exactly how to talk about it so you can become more aware of parts of yourself that you don't see as parts of you. So ultimately, not only can you see American Psycho for what it is, but you can make, as I talked about at the beginning, so you can make the kind of decisions you want to make and stop making decisions that you want to stop making. All right, guys. Thank you again. And as always, I wish you all the pain and joy that comes from taking back your projections.